Well, hello, you're listening to Family Matters. This is Morgan, and I'll be your host. All right, so today we're going to be talking about faith in family life. Um, I really loved the line this was based off of in the proclamation. It says, successful marriages and families are established and maintained on principles of faith and prayer. Um, I really wanted to, for this episode, to talk to someone who grew up in a strong faith, but a different faith than um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but then later joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So, um, before I get into the what the text teaches, I am just going to introduce a little bit um, about our uh, guest today, and she is actually someone I met on my mission and was able to, I was the first missionary she met. She requested a Book of Mormon and uh, I got to deliver that and I didn't get to attend her baptism physically. She didn't get baptized till actually I went, got home from my mission, um, but I was able to to FaceTime in, they let me, they got, I got permission to FaceTime into her baptism and got to experience it there, and she eventually, um, moved to Utah, actually, and lived in, and went to the same school that I did, and she got married and got sealed in the temple, which I got to be at her sealing, and she now lives, um, in Utah as well, not where she used to, but she lives, um, there, and, um, has been a member for over a year, um, almost two, I think, in the spring. So, uh, she grew up in the, she'll probably tell you, but she grew up in the Church of Christ, which, um, was pretty strong and active in her life, and, um, so I wanted to hear what her, um, experiences were living that, having that growing up, and kind of maybe what she thinks now, and then for her future. So, um, look forward to that toward the, um, second half of the episode today, but, um, I really liked this chapter because it talks about, um, faith and maintaining faith and prayer in, in families. In the chapter, in the text, it talks, um, about the purpose of the chapter being to examine the connection between faith and like successful marriages and families, um, based in social science. So not just, um, faith based things from a faith based perspective, but from a social science perspective, um, having that faith and being connected to a successful marriage. One thing it does say is readers should be aware that it is difficult, perhaps impossible for social science to prove that faith causes stronger marriages or family outcomes. It's reasonable to conclude, for example, that persons in a healthy marriage are more likely to want to attend church together than a couple who are facing divorce. So does faith influence family or does family influence faith? The answer is almost certainly both. But in terms of social science, the best we can usually do is to discover and examine correlations or relationships between ideas such as faith and the quality of family life. So basically it's saying that it's not um, infallible proof, but that there's connections and relationships between faith and successful marriages and families. It talks about that there's about 800 studies 
that examine the connections between different aspects of faith and individual, not couple or family, physical and mental health. And it's talking, it talked about how there is a, let's see, 7.6 year difference in longevity among persons who attended worship services more than once a week compared with non-attendees. And then figure that nearly doubled to 13.7 years among African-Americans. So family health aside, or even couple health aside, individual physical and mental health was definitely at least the longevity of your life was improved by attending a worship service or attending church and in african-americans it doubled so if that's not a reason to get to church to live longer then you know (laughs) hopefully you have another reason too but i think that looking at that as an individual um, being successful is going to then add to the family if every individual in a family is having better physical and mental health, then then the whole family would operate better if everyone individually is doing well. The first dimension it talks about in the text is family, community, a religious community and family. And it's broken up into different little aspects. And the first one was religious community and marital fidelity. Um, It says, one recent study reported that with the exception of two religious groups, non-traditional conservatives and non-Christian faiths, holding any religious affiliation is associated with reduced odds of marital infidelity compared to those with no religious affiliation. In some, going to church together was what mattered, not more abstract records regarding faith, importance of religion, or nearness to God. So, they were able to recognize that people that went to church together is what mattered and um, the spirituality maybe like how deep their faith was or or whatever wasn't as wasn't as much but going to church together in the study which I I believe is probably what was easy is to measure for a for a study that going to church together um, helped reduce the odds of marital infidelity Another thing this little section said was, it seems that the combination of marital satisfaction and shared religious involvement may work together to provide an effective preventative maintenance program for marital fidelity. I thought this was really interesting. This is someone who um, was interviewed in a study, and she says, I've been married before, and my first husband was not saved, and he wasn't interested. That goes back to what the Lord said about being equally yoked. I was at the church, but there was not a lot of support from there from him because as a non-believer, he thought I was giving too much time. We weren't serving together, we weren't going together, and we would always feel some type of rift. Another thing that I thought was super interesting is this was talking about another remarried mother um, from uh, the, the same study as the one I just read. She talked about per- parental hardship um, in being what they quote as unequally yoked she said if faith is shared then children see that parents are doing it going to church but if a house has a parent that's not going that causes the child to have a misunderstanding of what you're really supposed to do so it's really beneficial to be worshiping in the same church the benefits carry through in the lives of your children i think that's really important because i'm sure that in those situations it is hard i know that um there were times when both of my parents didn't go 
one of them would go or the other one would go and it was hard what do we do do we go do we not go so um i think that's a really interesting thing another thing it talks about is when men attend church it says when men attend church with their wives there are fewer disputes not only over faith but also over housework money how time is spent and sex wow that's a lot of disputes to have fewer of um I don't feel that I have a lot of disputes personally with my husband, but I can see um, in lives of people that I know that if they are going to church together, that there there are there are fewer disputes, and I think that's a really important thing. And also, just really neat. It shows me that God really cares about us in a broader perspective, and that's why we have church where we're not just all left to worship him on our own but we have church communities and we have families um within that context another study talked about um same faith marriages being much more stable than interfaith marriages and in um another study it said that lds to lds marriages were classified by the, res- by the researchers as remarkably stable, while LDS to non-LDS marriages had an extremely high rate of dissolution. The, there was another person's studies that talked about religious community and fathering, um, and talked about how it is challenging for fathers in general to maintain a balance between work and home life, and that um, adding religious involvement seems to factor into the decisions for many men. Um, the fatherhood was is so important, I believe, and I really loved what um, this father said as he was interviewed. It said, fatherhood is the greatest thing I could attain. If I were the president of the United States, if I were CEO of a major corporation, that would end. The time would come that I would be voted out of the office or I would resign and retire. Yet, I will always be the father of my children. I loved that. And then I loved that he said it's the greatest thing he could attain. I loved another thing that was said. And it says, um, the researchers concluded in talking about fatherhood still that based on the evidence of the research we have cited, it may be that religious involvement provides the strongest force available to reverse the powerful trends that are breaking fathers and children apart. I just love that. It's so important to me in this um, day and age that fathers are involved with their children, and especially um, in my family as I now have a child. I want her father to be involved in her life, and I love that um, religion can be that strong force and um, can keep fathers and children together as I think that's such an important part of their life. The second dimension the book, the text talks about um, is religious practices and family or religious habits um, and what one mother says is Praying together as a family and reading the scriptures together is probably the best thing we do to pull us toward Heavenly Father and each other. It feels right. It feels good. I'm grateful to be able to do that. If my family that I grew up with ever would have done that, it would have been a fond memory that I would have held, but we never did. Our family now should pray more, but when we kneel together and hold hands as a family, it brings the spirit into our home and makes the children feel right and teaches them that this is what they need to do with their families, and I'm sure they'll remember it. 
it's special. I loved what she said there. I think it's true. I think that the children, I love that she said, it makes the children feel right. They are able to fill the spirit and become closer to God through those practices and um, they will remember those. Another thing it talks about is the religious practice of prayer in marriage. Um, and it said that in a study, the findings included participants and statements of belief that prayer enhanced experiences of emotional validation, promoted accountability toward deity, de-escalated negative interactions, contempt, hostility, and emotional reactivity, enhanced relationship behavior, facilitated partner empathy, increased self-change focus, encouraged reconciliation and problem solving, and promoted a sense of guidance from God. Whoa, <laughs> that's a lot of stuff. I think all of those are just amazing to have, and that is that prayer it enhanced those experiences and enhanced those things and de-escalated negative things. Um, I have prayed every single day with my husband since we've been married. That's something that we've worked really hard on. We've been able to pray and read scriptures every single day. Um, and even when he's out of town, we make it um, a point to make sure we call each other or um, have time to do that before he leaves if he's coming back within a time where we don't miss a, miss a day or anything. And I know that there's been a lot of times for me personally that things could have been escalated or they could have been really challenging or I could have been really frustrated but because I knew that I would pray with him at dinner or pray with him in the morning or because just I knew I prayed with him at some point in that day that there was something different I think that it really did make a difference for us and help us to not have those feelings or at least me I know for sure my husband's not here with me right now to testify for himself but I know for me and just for our relationship in general, I lean back and rely on a lot of times when there's been contention and there's been times when there's been contention and one of us has said, can we pray together? And it's like the last thing you want to do when there is a little bit of contention, but it really does um, just change, change the environment. Another section in this second dimension is the religious practice of family rituals. Uh, there's a lot of studies, again, like there has been um, in most of the things that I've shared, but one of them said that they, or the, one of them linked home-based family worship with higher marital satisfaction. But in that same study, they also found that in some cases, really rigid family worship um, was detrimental than none at all. So it was, you know, that's something to think about in our families. If it's really rigid and really intense, um, it could be detrimental, but in general, home-based family worship and like things shared as a family were beneficial. I've shared a lot of, um, people's quotes from the text and like people that they interviewed and their experiences, but they're just so good and they're a little bit more personal than maybe just like a research thing. So I did want to share another thing. It talks about a Jewish mother and she explained, so it doesn't talk about, sorry, a Jewish mother explained, um, to the researchers. When we take the time out, when we light the Sabbath candles Friday night, that's a time I feel really close to my children. I always say a prayer of thanks for my children. When we sit across the table from each other, my husband and I, and the Sabbath candles are lit, and I see the kids, there's something I get from that that is so deep. 
It's a feeling that all is right in the world. It doesn't matter what else is going on. Right in that circle, it's awe-inspiring. I just love that. I love that the mother is able, like every week she looks at it and she says that that's um, the experience that she has. Now, uh, there's so many studies in this um, chapter of the text. And honestly, a lot of them just go back to it being a good thing. Religious um, things as um, positive experiences. Uh, It was good for marriages. It was good for families. It was good for parent-child bonds. So I really just want to leave you thinking about that, that in social science perspective, that um, religious beliefs and practices and um, prayer and faith in families is going to strengthen families in different ways. I'm sure that there's obviously potential exceptions to that rule, but there is that for everything. So I want to turn the time over, (laughs) so to speak, to Savannah and um, the things that she experienced in her life um, growing up. And I really hope that you're able to enjoy what she has to say because I know that she has had really amazing experiences and has really great testimony. played uh, a large role in my life growing up, Um, especially uh, the first eight to nine years of my life. My dad was a full-time preacher, and this affected a lot of our family's decisions. Um, So, for example, my family of four, uh, we moved from Georgia to Arkansas for him to be able to preach at a congregation, and I was about four years old. And that's the congregation that I ended up attending all the way through my high school graduation. Um, and it during that time, my dad had stopped preaching full-time because the leadership of that congregation, they after about five years, they were really wanting someone else to be preaching for them. And so my dad had told them up front, like, hey, we really would like to stay here so that um, my brother could at least be there through his high school graduation, uh, which at the time would have gotten him um, there for at least uh, six to seven years. So it's a big deal whenever these leaders can kind of treat it like it's a business position and at any point say we don't want you here anymore as our preacher and that affected how my dad uh, had to end up finding other work and he decided that was what was best for him and he would just preach part-time and kind of as needed but uh, for us um, growing up, faith-based activities, we went to church uh, twice on Sundays and had a midweek scripture study on Wednesdays. Uh, and my parents played a huge part um, 
of influencing that faith in me. My, like I said, my dad was a full-time preacher. Uh, He was extremely well-versed in just being able to remember scripture, and I got a lot of that from him. And my mom, she was my Bible class teacher for many years and taught some of the most memorable and concrete lessons, uh, especially about the Old Testament that have really stuck with me even to this day. Um, And as a child, we'd participate in um, other activities. So we would read scriptures together in the evenings. Um, I don't really remember now how frequent that was. Uh, because as I got older, my brother and I, we were seven and a half years apart. And after my brother moved out, uh, the things really looked different for the three of us there. And so some of that didn't always stay. Um, and then just something amusing I always kind of remember is that my dad would have, uh, Sean and I, we would have to recite books of the Bible before we could eat dinner. And luckily, I only had to say the New Testament books while my brother had to recite all of them. That's kind of benefits of being the youngest. Uh, But, um, and then for me personally, I started going to a Bible camp um, whenever I was 10 and went almost every summer uh, through high school graduation. And that made such a big difference for me uh, growing up in a relatively small church and Uh, where I didn't have a lot of people that had the same beliefs. um, And especially on like how the church was uh, governed and we didn't have instruments um, for our music. And so that was uh, very different to a lot of people. And so I was accused of different things. Um, And I know that affected my friendships at times, um, especially with friends that uh, were homosexual, I would be very willing to tell them, like, hey, this scripture says this. This is why you're wrong. Um, and those didn't always go over so well, but uh, I was very adamant about it, and I knew how to defend my faith because I had learned scripture so well um, from my parents. And Uh, Another really big important thing to me was, um, just for my personal faith, music has just always been a way for me to connect with God. Um, Starting as a young, uh, as a young adolescent, I would um, go to bed, but I would often just have my iPod on and I would be listening to hymns and singing to myself um, until I fell asleep. And so, uh, in this way, faith, uh, and at least church, it had a huge role in my upbringing. Um, But looking back, I realized my definition and perspective of faith has really changed over the years. And so now I admittedly just sometimes don't think that faith was as important to me growing up as I might have felt like it was then. Um... And it's not really fair to judge my actions and beliefs then based on what I know now. But um, having said that, faith for me growing up was a lot more about believing all of the right things. uh, About 
Christ, uh, the Bible, the structure and functions of the church, what the church was and wasn't, uh, baptism, instrumental music, and just a whole host of other beliefs. And uh, that had a lot of positive and negative effects. So on the one hand, um, as you can imagine, just trying to be, you know, right about everything. Uh, I meant I learned the scriptures really well because we had to know how to defend our positions. Um, and on the other hand, um, what that meant was when I started to have questions that the Bible didn't really address, um, or it wasn't as clear as what other people had made it sound like it was, and so it wasn't, you know, it was more difficult to determine if it was right or wrong, um, and if I accepted things that maybe others believed were wrong, uh, that I might not be accepted anymore, that caused a lot of inner turmoil for me, um, everything about me had to be right, and I know, uh, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, people are not immune from this. We often tend to hold ourselves to more perfectionist standards. And uh, that was really similar for me growing up, um, right down to the thoughts that I had. I was almost, I, I am a mental health professional. And so I say this um, knowing that it can be said a lot uh, very loosely, but I mean it. Um, sometimes I felt like it was OCD in my thoughts. Like I would have a thought that I really felt like was bad and wasn't acceptable. And so then I felt like I had to constantly be praying um, to be able to make up for that uh, sinful thought. And in the end, most of the time, those things weren't even really like that bad. I was just holding myself to that. Um, and so I'd say this is ultimately what spurred my decision to start learning about other faiths, including the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, specifically, I had, uh, during my junior, so sophomore, junior year of college, I had been exploring the relationship between faith and science. Um, in the church I was brought up in, it was uh, kind of... On some things, it was an either-or position, and I went through a time that I wasn't really sure if I could believe in God anymore, because that's kind of the natural conclusion um, with that either-or position, uh, is that you have to choose. If I start to accept this one part of science, and that part of science is wrong and can't be compatible with God... Well, if I accept the science, then that kind of makes it where I'm not accepting God anymore. Um, and I, for a while, I really went through where I was talking to a lot of atheists and hearing about their perspective, and they would point out scriptural inconsistencies and that I'd never noticed before, but they really are there. Um, it really caused me to uh, question and ultimately though from my interactions with a lot of atheists and not that all atheists are this way but um, one in particular 
when we were talking, he was just never happy. Um, and that really bothered me. Uh, and I decided I didn't want that path. I felt that my faith in God was better for me overall and uh, that I wanted that faith um, and that it made more sense to me. And I wanted that happiness. And so I was working um, with one of my professors and his lab and he happened to be a member of the church and uh, we started having conversations. Um, I was a psychology major and he, so obviously it's more science-based and he and I started having conversations about science and religion. I knew that he was religious. Uh, for a while I didn't know which church he was a part of and then I was so proud of myself when I put it together. But um, he, through those conversations, I really, uh, he know he didn't have that either or position. Uh, he was able to accept both comfortably in his faith. And I just thought that was such a beautiful thing. Um, and I think having balance is way more important than having um, these false dichotomies. Uh, and so we started there with the science and religious conversations, how they work. But naturally, um, just because I'm a very curious person, I ended up asking more questions and wanted to know more about their faith and their church. And so uh, I ended up ordering the Book of Mormon and that came with missionaries. I didn't know that at the time. I just thought they'd mail me the book. Uh, <laughs> but that ended up being... Um, one of the best decisions I could have ever made. And um, through talking with the missionaries and more with my professor and his wife, who was also one of my teachers uh, in college, I started to learn about the spirit. And um, it was interesting because it started off uh, with reading the articles of faith and how the spirit and specifically about tongues. Uh, and so it's like, oh, I'll get them on this one. Um, because I had grown up learning. It was that tongues are a very real language. And there are some groups where it is not. And so I didn't know that about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which uh, position they took. And I never heard anyone else besides my group uh, say that it was a, a, a real language. And so I brought that question to them about, like, what do you think speaking in tongues is? And they gave me the exact answer that I'd heard in the Church of Christ and how uh, it was, you know, for that edifying and building up. And so from there, I was like, okay, well, now I'm you know, this one question I had that I really thought I'd uh, stump you on, it's, I can't. And so I had to honestly open myself up to um, hearing what they had to say. And uh, so I was always really intrigued by the spirit. And I didn't have a strong understanding of that from my church growing up. Um, we didn't really speak about the spirit guiding us now and that we could receive uh, revelation. But over time, I uh, 
accepted uh, what was being taught to me and believed it and saw it working in my life. And so in that way, you could say it was really the spirit that led me away from the church I grew up. And although I don't always like thinking of it as um, I didn't leave in a hostile way and it was uh, it was coming more than anything um, just based on what we've talked about so far. Uh, and since becoming a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, my family relationships have changed in some ways, and in some ways they haven't. Uh, my family, we, we get along really well. Uh, but we didn't always talk about the things that were really going on inside our heads um, and our feelings. Uh, we tend to keep those things to ourselves. And so in that way, we could have been closer um, even whenever I was a teenager and but we always have gotten along and have enjoyed each other's company. I love being with my family. And that's where, you know, I feel like home. But now that I've joined the church, it's it's still that way. Um, but maybe even more so now where we keep those things to ourselves and um, we can talk about anything except talk about the church. Uh, and this has started to change um, this year a little bit. I've tried to, to where I can, incorporate uh, discussing church things. So if even if that's as simple as, hey, we went to church today and this is how it went. And we had a good time, you know, teaching our primary class and um, or with the Come Follow Me program, it's been really nice that it's been in the New Testament this year because we can say, hey, like we read this this week and we know you're learning about, you know, Christ's life at your church right now. Um, and that turns into a segue for our conversation and builds on our commonalities. Um, but in other ways, it's also hurt our relationship. Um, about a year ago, I found out <laughs> we were uh, at home for Christmas, and uh, my husband and I were, and my husband mentioned to me, like, hey, does your mom have a tattoo? Uh, I saw something that was under her watch, and it definitely, you know, looked like one. And I was like, my mom? Like, no, she would never have a tattoo. Like, that's just not who she is. And so from there on, I was trying to look for it. And like, what in the world are you talking about? And so I ended up seeing it. And we were at church. And I was like, you know, what is that? Like, <laughs> like I'm not going to cut around the bush here. Um, and I'm going to ask you, Mom. And she, she, she told me what it said, and 
told me when she got it, and it had turned out she had had it since March or so of 2018, which meant that, you know, I'd gone nine months without knowing my mom had a tattoo, and, you know, for, that just really blew my mind, and it really hurt, uh, that feeling of, like, my mom withheld this information from me, and it came to find out that, um, she told me that she'd read a lot of information online, uh, about members of our church, and how, and had drawn this conclusion that overall, like, we were going to be judgmental about her tattoos, and I told her, you know, mom, this is, you know, that's your own, like, that's your decision, and, like, I'm not judging you for that, uh, you know, I still love you, and I don't think, you know, it's, I have my own opinions about it, but, like, ask me those opinions, uh, and so that's kind of an example where it's really, there's caused some conflict, um, and she had, she could tell that after church that night, I was, I was feeling upset, and so she was afraid that it was because people at their church had, um, been mean to me, or shown some sort of disrespect, and that was really bothering her. So, uh, I think in that sense, there are some things that it was like, it was disappointing because I felt like we had made some progress, but then found out, you know, there's been the secret for nine months, and she's told everybody in my family except for us, and so that was just uh, a wake-up call for us, and for me especially, Um, and I think it gave me some empathy about how I handled uh, joining the church and not always being with open with them uh, as I could have been, and so I keep just hoping that um, I've seen my marriage be a blessing for uh, those conversations. She seems to be a little bit more open uh, talking to my husband about church-related things uh, than she is with me. I think because she does have that emotional connection to me uh, that isn't necessarily there. Like, she knows that for Benjamin, it's been his entire life, whereas for me, it's not, and it was a departure from, you know, them and their beliefs, and so, um, but in other ways, it's been really refreshing to see them make decisions. Um, The church that I grew up in, my parents just changed um, their uh, where they went to a new congregation just about two years ago, and it's been a lot healthier for them. The people at their previous congregation were not very nice to them, and I think especially with some of my decisions, and so they left and went to a new congregation, and that's, uh, allowed us to talk a little more freely, and uh, bond over that and to hear their experience and I can tell that they're happier and I think they are living more um, in that faith 
faith-filled life and not just about being, having to be right. Although doctrine is important, it's also about those relationships and um, that they are actually living the way Christ did. And to me, that's what faith is, is moving forward, forward on decisions, even when you're not sure about them and that you're trying to live a Christ-filled life. And um, that looks different than just, oh, I have to prove you right and give you this argument. It's, um, it's finding that balance there. And so, uh, going forward and my husband and I's relationship, um, just things that I would love to incorporate in our, uh, now and in our future family, we try really hard, um, with Come Follow Me that we're studying together every night and, uh, spending time talking and listening to each other and our, uh, different thoughts on that. And that's been really open, um, for a conversation. And so that's been refreshing and, it's not just this once in a while type of thing. We really have tried to make it a habit. And I hope that as we continue to do that as a couple, that we'll be able to have that in our family as we have children. Um, and I hope that we are able to pray uh, with our children. And I don't think I remember other than meals, um, and at church, really doing that with my family, uh, where we would just say, hey, we're praying before we go to bed tonight, like, all together. You know, it might be my mom and I saying a short prayer as a child that, you know, was helping me learn to pray, but I don't remember us taking time to do that. Um, You know, like, this person's going through a hard time, let's pause and pray for them. Or, hey, you lost your keys, let's pray for that. Uh, that just wasn't part of our life, and um, I think that's just so valuable, and I hope that we can teach our children the importance of prayer and feeling the Spirit in their lives and how to get that revelation. Um, and then, uh, as and then of course, you know, going to church, but more than that, just I hope that they feel that they can ask us questions and um, that we can have that balanced approach. And as far as traditions, it's been interesting. Um, so this past week for uh, the Christmas devotional, I, I believe it was President Oaks, he said all of the Christian world is celebrating Christmas right now, and I actually didn't celebrate uh, Christmas growing up as Christ's birthday, Um, but our church just didn't do that, and it was more of a secular holiday, Um, and so I have loved connecting uh, this time of year with Christ and excuse me, and um, being able to focus on just being a light in the world. And so I hope that um, 
now and in the future will my family will have a greater effort on service and being aware of other people at this time of year especially but at all times um my husband and I were just talking about the other night how we would love for family home evening to you know take time with our kids and teach them a skill like cooking and do that together as a family and then take you know a meal over to someone in need and just doing service projects uh for our family home evening and not just being um connected to ourselves so uh, I think as we do that um, we would just teach our family the importance of being Christ-like and being loving and um, being able to give blessings to all uh, that need it around us and seeing that um, it's not always we have to find what's in common and remember that we are brothers and sisters and that's the most important part and that we ultimately through that show who we believe in and that is Christ and our heavenly father and that that's what um he would have us to do is live those two greatest commandments and I just think that's something I really want to focus on with our children um and now as a couple so uh, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk and to answer these questions. It's been really beneficial for me, um, thinking through my story and reflecting on faith and its importance to me um, and how it's changed throughout the years and uh, to see that growth. So, thank you. Well, there's today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you come back and I want you to remember family matters.